sporting world. That's a terrible idea. I want to know what the hell he's smoking. Something stinks in here. That's terrible. <laughs> it's Terrible Tuesday. Things gone wrong in the sporting world. Well, the Raiders have lost two in a row to two very good teams. We go back to the Dolphins last week in Miami. And then, of course, the game they lost at Allegiant Stadium in front of the home crowd. What kind of home crowd? Because it was a CF Red there with the Kansas City Chiefs. Playoff hopes virtually gone. The Raiders now 5-7 and seven after losing to the Chiefs 31-17. to 17. As we talked about yesterday, the Raiders jumped out to a 14-0 lead. But never did you feel that the Raiders were going to hang on to this victory. You just felt that the Chiefs, especially coming off the loss last week, that they were going to come back. Game was going to be tied before you know it, and it was. At halftime, it's 14-14. Kansas City had two touchdowns in the second quarter to tie it up, and then they rolled to victory, outscoring the Raiders 31-3 to in the final 36 minutes. There was hope there for a while, and as they say, hope floats, and it went away. The class, the experience showed out for the Kansas City Chiefs. You're not going to beat the Kansas City Chiefs with a rookie quarterback or a rookie head coach. Sorry, it's just not going to happen. Kansas City defeated the Raiders for the sixth straight time and 16 of the last 18 times these two teams faced off against each other. Think about that. Six in a row, 16 of the last 18 meetings. Oh, and the one Raider victory in recent memory that was at Arrowhead Stadium. Yeah, remember they drove a bus around the parking lot. John Gruden's great idea. How good was that? Anyway, Josh Jacobs got his 20 carries though, didn't he? For 110 yards. A lot of people say, well, it's great. Well, the majority of what he had, 163-yard run, right? After that, back to Josh Jacobs, averaging under three yards a carry. The Raiders say they are committed to the run. You heard Antonio Pierce and Josh Jacobs talk after the Miami game. They wanted him to carry at least 20 times. Well, good for you. Carry 20 times. But again, the problem with the Raiders offensively is that they don't throw the ball downfield. You must throw the ball downfield. And here's the, the, the weird thing about that is, against Kansas City, the one thing that the Chiefs defense is susceptible to is the ball downfield. All right? And they actually did that a few times. All right? He hit Michael Mayer on, on a couple shots. Devontae Adams, I believe, like one time. Jacoby Myers with a touchdown, marched right down the field. But again, they got away from it. Why? Because Josh Jacobs wants his carries. He's going to pound his chest, say, I'm the leading rusher in the National Football League last year. I had over 1,600 yards. Get me the damn ball. Well, guess what? Devontae Adams saying, get me the damn ball. Jacoby Myers is now feeling comfortable in this system. He's comfortable enough to say, get me the damn ball. Yes, in this day and age of the National Football League, where passing is supreme, you must throw the ball, especially when you have weapons like Adams, like Myers, like Renfro, and Michael Mayer, who came out of Notre Dame, is a highly sought-after tight end, and they drafted him accordingly. But with all that being said, the Raiders refuse to throw the ball, especially downfield. Now, people will say that Aiden O'Connell looked pretty good, that his numbers were okay. The bottom line is not really because it was very, very predictable. And when the Raiders needed him the most in the last two weeks, he no-showed three turnovers against the Miami Dolphins. 
and against the Chiefs at home on Sunday and obvious passing downs, he cannot move the team down the field and score when they need to, specifically in the second half. The Raiders play calling way too conservative. No turnovers for the Raiders. And O'Connell wasn't bad, but it's just not good enough against the top teams out there. Here's the deal now. The big picture. And I've said it before, I'm going to say it again. How much is the organization really trying to win these games? Because going with Aiden O'Connell for the remainder of the season doesn't make any sense. When you have your original starting quarterback on the bench, okay, I get it to a certain degree, like I say, certain degree, going back four weeks ago where you want to experiment when, you know, you are three and four, three and five, and go, let's give O'Connell a shot. Let's see what he has, because he's shown us some pretty good things in preseason, shown us some pretty good things, you know, during the course of, of training camp and in, you know, during practices. Let's go with him. So you fire Josh McDaniels, you fire uh, Dave Ziegler. You say you want to get away from the Patriot way, but you still got Jimmy Garoppolo. And you're saying, nope, we're going to flip the page altogether. Sure, Garoppolo was not that great, okay? Still a little hint of injury, but now Garoppolo is probably in the best shape that he's been in a long time. But remember, Jimmy Garoppolo didn't come straight from New England. He came from San Francisco. He came and led the San Francisco 49ers to a Super Bowl appearance. You're paying this man $72.75 million to do what? To sit on the bench. Oh, and by the way, you guaranteed him $34 million to be here as well. To do what? To play catch during the TV timeouts. That's what he's doing. He's playing catch with Aiden O'Connell on the sideline, and that's what he's doing. Is he mentoring him? I don't know, but you're not paying him $72.75 million to tutor a fourth-round draft pick, a guy who is marginally successful at Purdue in the Big Ten. O'Connell over Garoppolo? No. The bottom line with the Raiders, and again, I know it's repeat, but it bears repeating because the Raiders still have a minuscule chance of making the playoffs, but they had a better shot a couple weeks ago, and if they could have pulled off a win against Miami or the Chiefs, your best chance to win was with Jimmy Garoppolo. He gives you the best chance to win. He is still the most experienced quarterback on your roster. And that's the thing that people don't understand. That your quarterback needs to be an experienced guy. It makes no sense to spend the money on Garoppolo, bring him here, name him the starter, and just because McDaniel was fired and you say, goodbye, Patriot way, basically, you know what you've done? You fired Garoppolo. You have fired Jimmy Garoppolo, and you're paying him a ton of money while he wilts away on the bench. O'Connell is an experiment. At the cost of winning games, do you want to continue this experiment? There's no guarantee that he's going to be your quarterback next year. The Raiders are going to audition all kinds of quarterbacks. They're going to look at the draft. They're going to look at free agents. They're going to look at guys off the scrap heap that get cut. They're going to look at all that stuff. But right now... You had a chance, and you still have a chance, especially of the bye week here. Haven't you seen enough of O'Connell? All right? He's not good enough to warrant this pass, so to speak. 
to say, okay, well, yeah, you, we're, we're going to let you go the rest of the way. You have not earned that. You haven't thrown any three or four touchdown games, have you? No. We've seen the opposite, two and three interception type of games. So, yeah, he wasn't bad against the Chiefs, but he wasn't good. He wasn't electric. He doesn't have the experience. And when you needed him most, he failed, plain and simple. Speaking of failed, how about that experiment with Marcus Peters? We touched on it yesterday. Oh, yes, it's terrible Tuesday, so you know we're going to go at this today, right? Marcus Peters released. Good riddance, Marcus Peters. Again, this is a repeat for me going back at the beginning of the season. This is a guy who was on a decline when he came here. All right? He had one interception this year. The one interception he had got masqueraded for a touchdown because it hit him right in the hands and it went in his hands against Detroit, and he returned it for a touchdown. But you know what you've seen for the majority of the time for Marcus Peters is bad tackling, bad coverage. Oh, and how about this one in parentheses, which I've been banging on the drum for for about the last six years, is bad attitude. Yes. You wouldn't need evidence of that? Well, just go back. Talk to the people in Kansas City. Talk to the people in Baltimore. Talk to the people most recently in Los Angeles with the Rams. That's Marcus Peters. Now, it's not terrible news that this guy got cut by the Raiders. It's why he was signed in the first place. The signs were there in all of those stops that I mentioned before. A declining player with an attitude problem. Again, you would think that the Raiders would get away from these type of guys. And finally, and finally, I say, they are doing that. All right? You get rid of a a, a bad attitude, a bad apple, a guy that clearly doesn't want to be there. All right? And you've taken... All of these ham and eggers that you thought were going to amount to something because they had good college careers, and you bring them in here. And again, you know, you go back to Damon Arnett, and again, you know, the Henry Ruggs thing, you know, that's still fresh in everyone's mind, which brings us to Roderick Teamer. This guy's never been a great player. All right, coming off the practice squad, IR, and then now he gets. You know, on the active roster, and what happens? He gets released. Didn't even get a chance to play a game, even though he played in six games this year sparingly. He was released after being arrested Saturday night for speeding and driving under the influence. When did I say this happened? Saturday night. The night before a game. Before a home game. When you're activated and you're playing the Chiefs, and they probably could use you could use all the help you want in the defensive backfield. So now you lost Teamer, you lost Peters, good riddance to both of these Hammonagers. But again, why even mess with these guys? And if, if you're Roderick Teamer, what does this say about you? I mean, we talked about this yesterday where you would think that the Raiders executives, and I understand they've gone through what now, what? Three general managers in three years. Go back to Mike Mayock, you go to Dave Ziegler, now you've got the interim um, general manager here. You think they would would talk to these guys the day that they're brought in, whether it's street free agents or draftees, and say, listen, we've got a bad history here. There's still a bad aura around Henry Ruggs, Arnett, all these other clowns that have come through here, that have had some problems. And I love what Antonio Pierce said yesterday. I'm not going to tolerate it. What you do off the field is going to affect you and this team on the field. Rightly so. But, again, fans are really tired of these type of stories hovering around the Raiders. It happens everywhere, granted. 
But the Raiders have a lot of this, as you know, and it is not a good sign at all. So good riddance, Marcus Peters, because you are a below average cornerback making only $3 million, say only $3 million this season because you're on the downside of your career. And goodbye to Roderick Teamer for being a ham and egger, being an idiot, for speeding and getting drunk the night before a game. Just shows you you care about one thing. When you do stuff like this, now throw Marcus Peters in there as well too. For not being a better player, a better tackler, and not committing to your craft, you're here for one reason. You're here for the paycheck. You're here for the paycheck. Using the Raiders and Mark Davis's money as your personal ATM machine. That's what a lot of these guys are doing. It is downright pathetic because they are not there for the game. They're not there for their teammates. They're there for themselves and their paycheck. That's it. (laughs) NFL Sunday. The morning slate of games was one of the worst that I've ever seen. Only two games were worth watching all day. And both of those were in the afternoon slate. And you can make the case that maybe only one game was worth watching. That's Buffalo, Philadelphia. I was going to say the other one was Kansas City and the Raiders, but you, you know, the line was nine and a half. Chiefs were favored. Figured the Chiefs were going to roll and they did. So really only one game really worth while watching, but the morning slate of games. Are you kidding me? And I understand that the schedule is made, but then you've got three games on Thanksgiving day and those all turned out to be blowout games as well. But it was just an awful week for the NFL. Week 12 will go down as favorites covering in 12 of the 16 games. But the games, I mean, Packers and Lions, Washington and Dallas, Niners and Seahawks, all right? Blowouts in all three games. And now, don't say the Lions, well, they only lost by seven. Now they got a backdoor touchdown to do that. They were never in that game. They were horrible. 0 for 5 on fourth down, which brings me to the Lions. Turkey, food, family, friends, great traditions. And the Lions playing on Thanksgiving Day, right? Well, the Lions losing on Thanksgiving Day fit right in the tradition, doesn't it? The Lions lost again to Green Bay in one ugly football game where they were 0 for 5 on fourth down. Had missed PAT, had horrible play calling, a fake punt deep in their own territory, their own 25-yard line, just abysmal play calling, abysmal quarterback play by Jared Goff, and just a terrible performance by the Lions, a team that was leading, still leading, the NFC North slash Central, whatever you want to call it. But what is the problem with these coaches like Dan Campbell and others that have lost their mind? We went from coaches being ultra-conservative back in the day to now ultra-risky gamblers. And here's the thing. You never, back in the day, had these rookie head coaches making these kind of things. They actually think that this is cool. Like they're part of the new school of analytics that they think that, hey, yeah, we, we're going to outsmart defenses. We're going to outsmart defensive coordinators. Oh, and the system as well, too. Fourth and 10 last night. Fourth and 10 last night. Bears going for it. Vikings, fourth and seven going for it. What, what are they thinking? 
passing up free points. The Lions passed up nine free points with a pretty good field goal kicker by going for it on fourth down. And ridiculous. And we're seeing it time and time again with these coaches. They have literally lost their mind where they actually think that they're going to be successful on fourth and three, fourth and four, fourth and seven. Don't give me this analytics crap because analytics doesn't come into play. Doesn't. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Read the situation. Fourth down conversions are abysmal in the NFL this year. Just downright awful. It was so bad, that football game, because it was the only thing that was on at 9.30 in the morning, and by 10.30, I was looking for other TV. So I had to go find some other TV. You didn't watch the parade? I didn't watch the Macy's parade. I mean, they re- they replayed it like four times. What's my rule about parades? You know the rule. I know. You got to be Let's in hear it. it. You got to be in it. If I'm not in the parade, I'm not watching it. Wow, does that make me sound just so bougie? You are. <laughs> no, I love parades. Parades are good. I used to love watching the Rose Bowl parade. Love that. But no. So I kind of forgot about the parade. I flipped it on later. I think it was all just about over. But no. I said, I can't watch this football game anymore. So let me get the remote control out. What do I land on, Numchuck? I land on Major League Table Tennis. That, that's that's what I like. That sounds like Ocho material. Uh, oh, I believe the Ocho was on the Deuce, oh, ESPN two. Now God, I missed it. Major League Table Tennis presented by Manscaped. Oh, these guys were firing away too. But here's the one that got me: Omega Ball. Are you familiar with Omega I Ball? You get on that computer because I'm going to start rattling these things off. I gave Omega Ball probably two and a half minutes because I wanted to look at this and try to find out what the heck was going oh, on on my trampoline. TV. This is the trampoline one. No, 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 no. Yes, no, it no, is. No, no, no. Let me speak. Omega Ball, you have three teams. Looks like a soccer field because they're playing soccer. There's three goals, which means you have three goalies. You have three periods. And everything's in threes, and the field is round. It's a round field, Omega Ball. Three, I don't know what the heck's going on. And you had scores like seven to five to three. I hung with it as long as I possibly could. There we go. It's actually going to be the first strike of the day for Eagles. How about that crowd? Attendance 23. Yeah. Friends and family only. That's about all you hear. I didn't know what the hell I was watching. I was looking at a round. It It looks really weird. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's why I hung with it longer than probably I should have. What the hell is this? I, I don't know what the rules are. I don't know if there are any rules. But you're kicking soccer ball into three different goals. I guess one team, I guess, goes into one goal. I have no idea. So, yeah. So I flipped off of that, came back a little later, and I got the Professional Q Sports League. That's Q as in C-U-E. Now, I'm thinking there's got to be something about pool or billiards, right? Professional Q Sports League, PCL. No baseball fans. This is not the Pacific Coast League. 
It's not baseball. It is the Professional Q Sports League. What do you got for me, Numchuck? It looks like it's on a pool table. <laughs> is Wait, is this a computer game? I don't know what the hell it is. I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. Of the PCL, the Professional Q Sports League. This is a game that anybody can play. It's brand new, and we got some of the greatest of all time ready to show their craft on the board. A group of icons, starting with the Duchess of Doom, the great the Duchess of Doom, the Duchess of Doom, the, the greatest of all this time. Like what? This is like wrestling. The greatest all time of what? Of what? Billiards? Is, is it? Are you? Are you? Are you putting the the nine ball in the corner pocket? Do you see any of that going on there? No, it looks. I couldn't find it. It looks more like snooker without the. Describe it. You have it in front of you. I, I couldn't do it. It's pool with like two different colored balls. That's it. That's it. <sighs> okay. Next up, bull shooter invitational shootout. Bull, as in B U L L blank. Shooter Invitational Shootout. Explain this to our listeners. This would be darts, buddy. <laughs> it's darts. It's darts. Yes. Bull shooter. Then why don't they call it darts? Why don't they call it darts? Or why not just bullseye? Yeah. Bullseye Invitational. It's it's darts, right? I, I don't get it's it. It's darts. Okay. Then it got worse after that. The Turf Wars Invitational. Oh, now this... May not be exactly what you think it is. Turf Wars Invitational. What do you think? Leggers are just the right. Is he doing it's kickball. Right leg squat? It's what I'm looking at. <laughs> so but only ball. on turf. That's right. And that was followed by the Adult Kickball Championships. Turf Wars. Turf Wars is kickball. seems very cool. It's... <laughs> Like it seems like something that at least should be. So on. when I saw the description, I'm thinking, okay, are we? What are we doing? We're going out here. Are we doing, uh, you know, battle? Are we battling in the forest, or what are we doing here? Are we going to see some physical altercations, some turf wars? Are we going to see some some low riders with war playing in the background, baby? Low rider. We. I didn't know we were going to. What, what is turf wars? Oh, it's kickball. Yeah. That's what I had to deal with, my friend. That's what I had to deal with. Because the TV was so bad. All right. But anyway, like I was saying, the morning slate of games were downright awful. Couldn't watch anything on Sunday. Uh, Philly beats Buffalo 37-34. to 34. Buffalo built two 10-point uh, leads. Couldn't hold on to the three-point lead in regulation after scoring with 155 left. Yes, it was uh, the only decent game of the day. And it went over time. But this did have all of the makings of being a huge favorites day. Why? Because there were only two games on the board on Sunday. They'd had two teams facing off against each other with winning records. That would be the aforementioned Buffalo at Philadelphia game. And this is a shocker, but it's true. Both teams over 500. The only other game this, this Sunday that had it, Jacksonville at Houston. Both above 500. Buffalo at Philly, both above 500. And then the other one for the weekend on Thursday was Seattle and San Francisco. So for the entire weekend, week 12 of the NFL, three games. Three of the 16 games had teams facing off against each other that had winning records. I know you can't really 
handicap that in the beginning of the year, you think, oh, maybe, uh, let's see, Cincinnati, Pittsburgh, that might, that might be a good matchup. Let's, let's put that on Thanksgiving weekend. And, you know, you know, some of these other games, I don't know, just, but you had some bad matchups. I mean, Arizona gets anybody as bad. Uh, Tampa Bay gets anybody as bad. But that's why you'll see television ratings horrendous for NFL Week 12. Could you imagine Week 1 seeing Jacksonville-Houston and being like, that's just a BS game. Right. And it's right for the lead. It's it, division it, lead. It, it, yeah. The yeah, in the AFC South. Yeah. Crazy. All right. Let me leave you with this, my friend. Hail Mary gone bad. That's right. So let's take you to the Meadowlands on, oh, what? Black Friday. That's right, because we have to have a game on Black Friday. Not available to all viewers because you had to go find it on Amazon Prime, right? Oh, by the way, uh, did you hear the news that Amazon has now uh, surpassed UPS and uh, delivered 1.9 billion packages uh, this past year, which uh, I don't care. But just... For you scoring at home, the U.S. Postal Service is still in the lead. All right, Amazon is well behind them. But anyway, as I digress, Black Friday, we go to the end of the first half of this just another nightmare of a game between the Miami Dolphins and the New York Jets. Tim Boyle at quarterback for the Jets. The Jets are going to go Hail Mary before halftime. And we'll see what Boyle, how far he can throw it, if indeed he throws it or they try a, a lateral or whatever here. Meanwhile, he just tries to get away from everybody, throws it into the end zone, into a lot of traffic, and there's a pick on the other side. And coming back from the end zone is Holland, and Holland is at the midfield, and Holland is inside the 40, and Holland is inside the 20. Can you believe this? That is insanity. How many of us were expecting him to go, do you believe in miracles? Yeah. Yeah. It is insanity. Crazy. Uh, here's the biggest part of the insanity. Tim Boyle, your quarterback, your third string quarterback behind Aaron Rodgers, of course, out with the Achilles injury. And then, of course, uh, Zach Wilson, who's been benched for now, Tim Boyle. Detroit Lions fans remember Tim Boyle, right? Tim Boyle had one pass in this game that he threw for more than 10 yards. Which pass was that? The one you just heard. <laughs> threw it about 50 yards in the air. Picked off. Went the other way. 99-yard touchdown going the other way. And that was the game. The look on Robert Sala's face, Aaron Rodgers, and the fans that did show up for that game in the Meadowlands wearing their green and white. Oh, yeah, the Jets. The Jets, the Lions, just horrendous on Thanksgiving Day weekend. Isn't that just downright awful? Terrible.